Good morning, everyone. We are here on Kung Solmen again with uh, Bella Rivne. Good morning, Bella. Good morning, y'all. And Ronald Jones. Good morning. Ronald uh, returned from India safely. Mm-hmm. Mm, very good. And my name is David Newman. And this is Magazine 3 Art Pod. And uh, we also have a guest in the studio today. And it's uh, Mika Rotenberg. Good morning, Mika. Good morning. Mika informed me that she would never be up this early if it wasn't for Emila, her (laughs) six-month-old daughter. And so it has an an added feature to have children. It kind of regulates your (laughs) sleeping pattern in a weird way. We all know uh, the format. It's uh, three issues, three questions, and we will uh, spend about half an hour together to discuss it. And... um, Mika is here in Stockholm and you have spent uh, a number of weeks here. And just to kind of inform our listeners that uh, Mika uh, opened her exhibition at Magazine 3 yesterday. But we are not in in particular here to talk about uh, uh, this wonderful exhibition. Mm. Yes, I know. I'm I'm, I'm part of the production team. (laughs) But uh, I just have to kind of add that. And then I'll drop it and then I come back to it every second minute. (laughs) But... but, um, what I wanted to talk with you about, and and also very much here, uh, Mika's thought about it. It's it's the issue of, of of political art. How does political art look today, and how did it start? And is there issues, gender issues, between how how male political art has been exposed, and uh, the performative uh, political art from from artists like uh, Carolee Schneemann or, or or early pieces in the 70s from Judith Chicago and so on. And by, by, by asking this or by discussing this topic, it's not that I say that Mika's art is political, uh, um, but uh, Mika will maybe comment on that herself but the fact is uh, i think these these uh, this issue is 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 very interesting and and of course we won't exhaust it today but but maybe we can start with it bella <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i think that art is essential for political change on the whole that it's a uh, i don't think that without uh, culture or without uh, art and culture that political change would happen and then if it's like a direct action, I'm, I, that's a different thing. But uh, for sure, like uh, sowing seeds and um, digging out caves. Well, I've had a change of heart over the last 10 or 15 years uh, on this subject. And, and I, always like to, I, I always like to frame it um, in this way, that uh, there was a period in time when artists like Malevich or Albert Speer uh, called on citizens to change their lives in fundamental ways, and they did. That's become less and less effective. And the example that I always like to point to, the recent example, is Mark uh, Vollinger's sculpture of of a anti-war protest that was put up in uh, London across from Parliament Square by a guy by the name of Brian Haw. Mm-hmm. And Brian Haw was there six years uh, uh, protesting the Afghan war. Uh, Tony Blair never drove by, slapped his forehead and said, oh, yeah, I remember war is wrong and let's get out of Afghanistan. And so Brian Hall couldn't uh, turn the political machinery around. And now we have an artist who's simply reproducing this incredibly ineffectual way to create political change, uh, meaning that 
political art can never speak in the first person. It always speaks in the third person. And therefore, it can point to, but can never really engage in political change. So I'm actually quite, I'm not even pessimistic. I've, I think, in general, uh, totally given up. Not totally given up, but um, uh, have shifted my priorities around political art. So it has to be proactive. It has to be post-critical. And, it, and most of all, it has to be scalable. Um, so it can actually have a, a longer reach. And, and there are examples of that, which I'm sure I'll have a chance to bring up this, this morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mika? Yeah. yeah, also it brings this question if art is, uh, comes from a moral place. And I'm never sure that when I make art, I, sometimes it comes from my dark sides. And that kind of clashes with um, political art, which I assume is political, wanting to create a positive change. So I'm I'm not sure, but maybe art does have the power to expose things just because it's visual or it's out there. So maybe there is some kind of power. I just I'm, I don't think it's a very effective way of um, creating any direct impact. But of course, culturally, I think on the long run, it kind mm-hmm. of seeps in. And then I think it does have a certain kind of power, maybe political power but I'm not really sure. It seems that in some of your works, or maybe most of your works, you you merge a lot of, of aspects of gender issues. And I was thinking about it, that the men, in particular in your, in, in your films, mm. are, are most of them quite uh, ridiculous uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> And and, uh, and and naturally, yeah, and naturally. Okay, well, that ended that discussion. Yeah, they're, they're realist films. Yeah. Oh, I, I know, exactly. I know. documentaries. <laughs> and and that's why a lot of people have have embraced it and and look upon it as as an important political statement for for women. Yeah, I'm not sure what how that happened, but <laughs> I mean, no, 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 it no. is. I, no, I I'm glad. I'm very happy that it's there. Um, I don't think that you know. I was always, I guess, drawn to these um, subjects somehow. Um, always through the ideas. Like I never really decided that that that's what my work is going to be about. But yeah, and I think for me, I, it's it's playful in that way. And I'm not sure. You know, I think. <clears throat> It's uh, maybe feminist, but also misogynist at the same time. And some would say that some of the women are ridiculous yeah. too. And mm-hmm. I think so. I'm not sure. I mean, I think there are maybe powerful women um, in my videos, I think. Um, and that's what I'm drawn to, I guess. So mm-hmm. I think for me, like it's about production and the means of production for me also. And, and, the, and the kind of poetic political yeah. situation whereas uh, I feel that instead of being um, political as in having a message or <clears throat> wanting to have a direct change like to overthrow a, a power or something like this <clears throat> I feel that it's uh, it's uh, working its way into me in a way that I can't really explain and then in this way it's kind of uh, politics for my dream space maybe or something mm-hmm. like this so it, I feel that it fundamentally changes me and therefore it is political mm-hmm. like this I want to go back to something Mika said about art coming from a moral place, because uh, as I've thought about the role of political art, whether it's uh, engaged in gender politics or, you know, big nation politics, whatever it is, um, that if you make the comparison to science, uh, when a scientist 
Robert Oppenheimer realized at a certain point that he the, the, the key creator of uh, the, the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he realized in his <clears throat> lab that he could make the atomic bomb, uh, and then he has to cross a moral bridge from contemplation to application. Not I can mm-hmm. make the bomb, but I will make the bomb. Artists are never asked to make that decision. So in the same in the same summer, uh, Picasso sculpted something called Death's Head. And Picasso realized he could make this sculpture, but nobody asked him if he would make that sculpture. So it, it, mm. it has no—it's not tied to any moral decision. And, and then if you say to Picasso or an artist, no, you can't do that, all we hear is cries of censorship. Um, and so art sits in a very weak position in relationship to the other disciplines um, who have to make moral decisions every day about their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the distinction I draw mm-hmm. in terms of the doctor who decides to give you the liver instead of me, the attorney who decides to defend somebody they know is guilty. Artists are never asked to make those kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it just doesn't have that power Yeah, I think exactly. Right, yeah. And, yeah. which is maybe sad. I mean, <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe good. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah. No, of course. In an article uh, which uh, I read a couple of days ago, uh, published in The Nation, uh, there was, um, which relates to, I think, to, to what we are talking about now, the kind of leading to this article had to do with how the creative response of artists and activists can transform the world. And and I thought this was a, a, a really a, it's a kind of a lengthy article, but it's kind of brilliant, written by someone called Antonio D'Ambrosio, mm. and I don't know him, but he's a, he's a filmmaker, mm. and uh, he made a documentary a film that was uh, in the Tribeca Film Festival. It was released by. Uh, the end of last year, December 2012, and it was the title of the movie is called We Own the Future, where he interviews a lot of, of, of different uh, people in the creative field, from musicians to writers. But, but and, and he, his starting point is has to do uh, with um, the kind of thoughts that were manifested very much during the Reagan era, mm-hmm. And, and in Europe uh, during the Thatcher area, where uh, the society uh, was the kind of evil, and if you didn't succeed, uh, it, it was your own fault, so to say. And uh, you two have also read it. Mika hasn't read this, this article, but I, I wanted to see if we could find an angle that links into what we are talking about mm-hmm. it in the artistic expressions. Yep. I, you know, he, he holds up uh, Pussy Riot or Ai Weiwei as examples of uh, people who are having effective uh, impact on the political system. And I think that they can raise consciousness. Um, and they can, like Pussy Riot, they can sacrifice themselves for the greater good and a certain sense of uh, moral beliefs that they hold. I'm not sure that Pussy Riot is turning Mr. Putin's point of view around um, no. in, in, in that sense. And I don't want to keep beating that drum. But, yeah, I think that they can raise consciousness. Uh, I think what they're doing is worthwhile. Um, in Ai Weiwei's case, I mean, you know, he is feeling the blunt of repression. Um, and in that sense, he becomes a model for us all. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to say he's Martin Luther King, but that kind of model uh, for uh, inspiration to uh, move towards political change. Um, and Pussy Riot, too, I, I think. Mm-hmm. But but do they engage 
indirect political uh, activity. Uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and change. I, I don't know that that's the right instrument for that. I guess it's the response of the regimes that is the political in in a way. Yeah. But I also think that the, it's both the creative response of the artist, but also of the art user or the people that are engaging in art in every way, that I think is also an act. And in the case of <coughs> Busty Riot and Iwai, it's also uh, not only the artist and the regime, it's a lot of things going on in between and a lot of transactions between people discussing things because of the art, but maybe not mm. in relationship to the art. That also is affecting, mm. of course, the political climate. I don't. I don't want to be cynical either. But <laughs> l- let me just say that, just like with Andrea Serrano, ask any twelve-year-old what your parents are going to do when you take a crucifix and put it in a jar of urine. We know what the story is on that. And then uh, ask anybody what happens when a girl rock band dresses up and goes to the altar and plays rock music. We know mm. what's going to mm. fall out of that. Mm. So, uh, but we don't know when. When uh, Weiwei, for example, lists the 5,700 children that that died because of faulty construction. The, you... And that was brilliant, because that's when he actually engages in the political system, yeah. the real politic yeah. as it e- exists. Mm. Yeah, I think that's back to the, the power of exposing, it's just putting things on the surface. But maybe I'm more interested in a political activist that thinks that would think like an artist, but actually make a political uh, gesture or, or move, rather than an artist thinking politically and making art. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense, but that would be more interesting because I think thinking about the way an artist would think um, would make it maybe a could make it a powerful move. Do, do, do we have any examples of that? Someone that uses the artistic expressions but is not coming from the from the art world um, reclaim i don't know if you uh, could say like uh, the reclaim movement is has that uh, i think mm-hmm. in some ways yeah i can go at it the other way though an artist who's using it like ai weiwei one of my favorite examples is this work by hans hacke from the 70s when the german government had had determined that the rhine river was so polluted it was unsavable Um, and there's nothing to be done about it. And uh, Hans uh, had a an exhibition in Krefeld, right next to the Rhine River, where he built his own DIY filtration system, gray water reclamation system, and demonstrated to the public that, in fact, he pumped water from the Rhine directly into the museum, cleaned it, and mm. had it clean enough mm. for fish to live yeah. in, yeah. and demonstrating then to the public that the government was lying to them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, playing yeah. out. Yeah. And, and it really, it, he engaged uh, in real politics, just like Ai Weiwei, I think, and actually had mm. measurable political effects and changed uh, the attitude of the public and also the response of the government. But I can find very few yeah. examples. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, and I think that's what I was talking about: is someone using their their ability to um, to go into systems and, and change them like that. But um, and that for me is maybe thinking like an artist and not like a politician. Mm-hmm. We worked a couple of years ago with uh, Santiago Sierra, a Spanish born artist that that has been uh, very much controversial because he has he has not i think made the step over by creating a change mm-hmm. he has just pointed towards a direction and and then let us ourselves the viewer uh, make the connection and even many times make the research so to say mm-hmm. i mean to to 
to to realize that uh, by lighting a, an importer of bananas, you start to wonder how how is uh, bananas produced? Uh, is it in a toxic environment mm. and all of those things? And then you realize that it's. Uh, it might be healthy to eat, but the, 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 before it hits our stomachs, it's it's a really kind of a yeah. Yeah. gruesome mm-hmm. uh, journey. Yeah. And then it's kind of easy for a public or a reviewer and to say, but explain this to us. We we want a narrative yeah. uh, rather than than just being pointed in a certain direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a good example of not necessarily being moral. Exactly. And because he kind of assumes the bad guy uh, role. And I think that's really interesting. That makes the actual situation in the gallery active rather than pointing um, the, the, the wrong. or and It's actually making the wrong, which act, makes the situation alive. And maybe through that, is a little bit if you go to therapy, but you reenact like your fucked upness with the, your therapist, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit like that. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's this, these segments in treatment that we never were yeah, allowed yeah, to yeah. see. That was the X. There was the, the X rated. X rated. Right. Version. What I what I wanted to do as as a as a question number three, which is one of our uh, favorite parts, is then we would discuss things that we haven't seen <laughs> and, that we, and that we haven't really Best listened segment, to. segment, yeah. Yeah. And, and what we're really good at. Yeah. But we're really good at this. And and and, and, and Mika be, can be in on this because she's as qualified oh, yeah. as we are. But, uh, but this week, um, the Swedish national te- television uh, produced a, a program which is called The Culture Elite. And um, here in the studio, we have a lot of friends that sit on this panel. So I'm not actually interested in in the program per se but i'm just interested in what i found the most interesting aspect of this is the world culture and elite Mm. and the fact that you create a program that has that title and and is that is it problematic to belong to the culture elite Mm. because i think we all here in the studio to some extent once in a while in a blue moon, uh, <laughs> things that we belong to some kind of culture uh, group. And why is this wor- word elite? Is it is it bad? Is it do you get embarrassed from it? And because elite in, in some other aspects in, in academic world and so on, it's 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 considered good. I mean it's considered like an elite gymnast. <laughs> totally. <laughs> in, exactly. <laughs> Kind of links back to what we talked about on another show when we talked about something that we haven't seen and when we talked about uh, television and the, the constant flow of amateurism or idea of seeing people not knowing what they're doing, doing it on television. And this is perhaps in, a little in bit... In an art yeah, culture yeah, yeah, this concept. Was, yeah, yeah right. but also yeah, all around. But, and this is <clears throat> perhaps just saying that yeah, people that know things about culture talk about it and then why we are, are we so ashamed of this, and I think it's interesting. Of course, some people know more about culture than others. I don't. Yeah, but they, they just this this yeah. uh, elevated label of of elite that that. Uh, but it's almost ironic, or is it yeah. ironic? I, I I'm not sure. Maybe it's like a marketing because it becomes yeah. interesting because everyone yeah. wants to watch the elite. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's a way to make people want to yeah. watch it. 
I, I think so very much so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I draw again two comparisons. One is I think we're still, at least in the West, suffering from the delusion uh, from the French Revolution that culture should belong to everyone, everybody should have equal access. And so mm. Now, at the same time, um, uh, if you it, and I love this comparison, which I came up with just a couple of weeks ago, in a <laughs> couple of minutes ago, couple of minutes ago, <laughs> <a> seconds ago. <laughs> uh, if you if you look at the galleries in New York City, mm. clearly the, you know the, the commercial art galleries. Yeah. yeah. So there, last time I looked, there are four hundred. Mm. Okay. And now here comes the elite part. There are really only twelve that actually have an impact on the culture long term. Of those 12, they have nine shows a year. Most of those shows are dedicated to artists already in the galleries. And so maybe once uh, a, a year, they'll have a group show with younger artists in it and see if they can pick an artist to join the gallery from that. Okay, If you do the numbers on that, becoming an artist, a successful artist in New York, or as Barbara Gladstone says, everybody can have one show in New York. Show me people have three shows in New York, and then we have something to talk about. It becomes more and more elite. And if you do the numbers on that New York thing and compare it to being an astronaut, it's harder to become an artist in New York. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's a very elite group. <laughs> Most people fail at that. And, and, and I don't, you know, elite, schmeet, I don't really yeah. care, but it's a pretty tough thing to do. Yeah. And, and when I'm teaching a graduate seminar in critical theory, I would not expect a, a PhD in student in physics from Stockholm University to be able to come over and understand a word I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a very narrow and exclusive club. Yeah, maybe because the measurements are more uh, loose. or So as a, if you're a physicist, it's maybe easier to... Mm-hmm. You'll never be embarrassed by, by being defined as elite. But as an artist, it's, yeah, you're immediately yeah. rejected. Yeah. Maybe because... You know, there's not real way of uh, accurate way of measuring it. An ideas of uh, what knowledge is in, the, right. in this field. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, and and that's actually an interesting point because this this program uh, was uh, briefly reviewed uh, the day after. Uh, I'm talking about this this culturally program where they actually said it it has it has so little to do with knowledge and more about uh, opinions and and branding yourself. And mm. gossip, maybe? Uh, Is yeah. it gossip? And gossip, exactly what we are doing <laughs> here today. It sounds awful. It sounds awful. It's what we are doing. I feel dirty. Yeah. <laughs> you are. No, 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 no. But, uh, it does sound like a reality. I, I have no idea what it is. It sounds no, like a reality me, TV show this about... Is well, it, 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 it was somehow formatted on, on a show that was very popular in the 60s, which had to do with extremely brainy professors answering questions from an audience in in a in a university town in 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 the south of Sweden in in, in that sense this ex, this this program is kind of interesting because it tried to recreate that but not really um, the questions are 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 stupid i saw it yeah. for 25 oh, minutes yeah. the program is 43 minutes okay. and with stupid questions and 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 about opinions They should invite yeah. us on. No, 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 no we wouldn't. We, no, this, we is, this is the control situation that we, we have here. But isn't it another thing also that I, I feel that the, the idea of that, uh, for example, art could answer questions or that it's something to understand is also kind of fired on by this kind of thing. But we want the questions perhaps to be more complicated or 
to find more interesting way of posing the questions. So you want you want them to kind of answer questions with more complicated questions. So <laughs> instead of having this uh, idea of answers. But I also think it has it it is somehow it's a kind of a Google effect. Mm. I mean, the, the, in, 40 years ago, uh, you have these encyclopedias, right? And they were the moment you bought them, they were kind of outdated. Mm. And 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 it is nevertheless the fact that when we look for some some information, some knowledge. A very yeah. fast way of doing it is is to Google it. Yeah. So so an audience that that will ask for hardcore uh, questions about facts, you can get it. I mean, you yeah. you, you yeah. everyone yeah. can get it. So so the questions has to do more with lifestyle, more about opinion, and more mm. more about your ambivalence or or your love towards these uh, disciplines which has to do with culture whether it's music or literature or, or the art or something like that but i i i thought it was kind of amusing that that you create the title of a program like that and then you have a panel that are totally uncomfortable uh, belonging <laughs> to to an elite <laughs> i'm very happy that we met today Uh, we will see each other in in a couple of weeks in the studio again. And Mika, lovely to have you here in <laughs> Stockholm. Thank you. And I know you're on your way back to New York. Yep. Uh, the update is that there is a massive snowstorm. I know. I might stay here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you might have to stay here in 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 the to avoid the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To avoid exactly. the snow, and that's a paradox. Yeah, this is a, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.